35,000 decisions. That's the average number one adult makes a day. Some are minuscule, others are paradigm shifting. But how many are we making and we're not even considering the ripple effect they're setting into motion? She chooses as a place purpose to help women harness decision-making power by allowing God to open our eyes and give us courage to make the one that leads to obedience to his plan. The one that leads us to the promise of hope and future that he's laid out for each of us. If you find yourself in a place where life seems to be obstructing that view and your current state is stuck, meet me at She Chooses where together we work intentionally to choose Jesus over and over again. Hello and welcome to episode number nine of the She Chooses podcast. If you've been around long, you know this is a place that is purposed to move us out of those motions and checklists and that Sunday morning only faith and into authentic daily walking, not just hearing, but doing faith that catapults us into the life of purpose that God desires for us. And you know, I'm not sure that there is any better way to look at the results of a lifestyle that's lived this way than the life that we read about in the Shunammite woman. Shuna, huh? You heard it right. The Shunammite woman. Yep. It's okay if there's crickets right now, if you don't know who I'm talking about, because what I'm finding is that hardly anyone knows about this radical nameless woman. And she is someone you have got to know because her life lesson is one that every person that desires true relationship with God needs to study out. Not just once, time and time again. If you're like me, you can't read her story, check the box and move on. Because if you do that, you're going to miss a whole lot of depth. Studying her has so radically changed my life. And I I hope that I'm able to communicate the way that God has revealed her to me and what he has laid out in his word for us to glean from her life. You know, so with her, we're going to, we're going to pack and we're going to unpack her story. We're like, we're laying it all out on a table. You know, we're going to look at it on all different sides. We're going to see it through different angles to see what all has God packed into this short albeit power-packed snippet of scripture. Over the next few episodes, we're going to take a deep, deep dive into this woman and explore how this little-known, nameless woman and the lesson of her life has the ability to radically take us to that authentic soul satisfaction relationship with God that we are all desperately yearning for and striving after, the one that we desperately need to embrace if we are ever going to be able to become the vessel that God is calling us to be. Before we dive into her, though, we've got to do some backtracking, and we got to set some things up a bit, because just reading her once and moving on is not enough. You've really got to look at her life. you got to think critically. you got to do a little bit of research, and you've really got to dive into her to see the magnitude of what God is showing us through her life. So let's get started. Friends, it is really encouraging to me to hear your feedback. If today's episode is helpful, 
let me know. Tell me about it. Share it. Grab a screenshot of the episode, post it to your Instagram and tag at JD Hartsey or leave an Apple podcast review. When you do, you help elevate She Chooses and the search results of others, making it easier for others to find and join in on the fun. Listen up, guys. I am so beyond excited about this Shunammite Woman series. I'm working through this study with a small group of friends right now and am loving every crazy moment. After we wrap up this episode series, I'm going to be offering this as a free resource, either a document download, an ebook, something on the She Chooses website. This is a great study to either dive into on your own or grab a group of friends and start digging in together. There's something super remarkable that happens when women start digging into the word together. And these lessons are perfectly fitting for the woman on the go that has a small snippet of time open, yet still wants to get the word of God active in her day. So stick around, stay tuned, and check it out. I'm so excited. In the New Testament, Paul writes to Timothy in... 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Paul tells Timothy, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul was pinning the words, but God was the author of these words. So because this statement is made, we need to understand that every single little bit of God's word is important, and there is a reason for everything that God has chosen to include. And it lets us know that even the lives that are recorded, whether they're named or they're unnamed, are in there for a reason. I love to do character studies and digging in to see why did God put this person here? Why does this person matter to my relationship with God? What is he showing us through this life? Often my approach to studying the Bible includes reading over the scripture You know, looking at it, asking, praying, and digging to see what does this teach me specifically? Why would God include it? Why would he choose this person, this principle, this thing to be recorded for all generations to see and to glean from? How can I apply it? So this year specifically, a way that I'm choosing to approach the word is really asking God to show me how do I see him in each area specifically. Jesus, we hear about him in the New Testament, but he is all throughout the Bible. From the very beginning, Genesis to Revelation, he is in every element of it. So I want to see him all the way through it. Praying and asking him directly, God, how are you in this? What are you teaching me about you in this? Approaching the Bible like this has been so helpful in opening my eyes. It opens our eyes to see amazing things that God is laying out and teaching us through each life that he has chosen to include. Sometimes as women, we look toward the Bible and our mind instantly goes to the powerful things that men have done. We tend to look at their lives things that were accomplished through them and we minimize the power of our own. We might think things like, you know, I'm not slaying any physical giants. I'm not up against an army like Gideon was up against. I'm not leading 
people like Paul was leading. And we minimize our impact thinking because we are a woman that we are limited in the impact that God can use us to make on this world. As women, though, we have to keep in mind the second part of what we learn in Genesis chapter 3. Let's go back to Genesis, to the place where those curses are being dished out. We find there, as a result of sin, we are told our husband will have rule over us. We're called to be subject to them, to be obedient to our husbands. Whether we have a husband or not, as women, that was still spoken over our lives. So at times, we can come up against a thought where we assume that a man's position is superior than, and we may decide we want to challenge it. We want to oppose it. We want to take on a mentality that desires their position, and we negate our own. But God's desire when he was speaking that to Eve, it wasn't one of judgment. It's just like they're being cast out of the garden. It wasn't punishment. But too often we view it that way instead of what God really was purposing it for. What he purposed them being cast out of that garden for was protection. It was protection so that they wouldn't live in that forever sinful state, that state that couldn't coexist with him, that could not be in his presence. And it was teaching them about the grace of our God. This positioning of Eve as being subject to her husband was meant as a way to bring about a repentance in her. He was teaching her something really beautiful about obedience, which is the same picture of our relationship to God. God desires obedience. And if we could ever wrap our brain around the power of obedience, look out world because amazing things are going to be unleashed. He put Eve in the hands of a loving husband. A lot of times we will look at this element of scripture and we will totally disregard it because we don't like the way it feels. We don't like the position that it speaks to us. Um, but the reason we don't like it is because of the world that we currently exist in and the culture that we live in and the relationships that we see played out around us day in and day out. And we forget altogether that God placed Eve in the hands of a loving husband. And again, we are missing that because of what we see played out in relationships today and how we so often are mistreating each other. That wasn't what Adam and Eve lived at all. So there was a power in Eve's obedience here, just like we're going to find there's a power in the obedience of the Shunammite woman. We want to be obedient to the position that God has created us for, but to really live our purpose as God desires, we have to learn to embrace our womanhood. And doing so requires some digging and some learning, looking to his word to ask, how does God define us? And what does he say about us? When we do, when we study the lives of these biblical women, that attitude that we may have initially, it begins to be peeled back and we start to see, wow, God, I have a purpose. You do love me. And you really start to see women in scripture, they shine. And the appetite to learn about them, our appetite to learn about them, and our desire to surrender to our placement in God's kingdom begins to increase. I ran into this Shunammite woman probably like 10 years ago when I decided I really wanted to get to know the Bible for myself. 
What piqued my curiosity about her is that she's nameless. Some may say the fact that she's nameless is because God doesn't think that women are important. And that's super easy to buy into until you actually dig into the Bible to see there are remarkable things written about these nameless women in Scripture. So there's got to be something else that is behind this nameless piece that is applied to some of these women. So let's look. Before we dive into the Shunammite woman, let's just brush super high level over several of the other nameless women that we see in God's word and just a little bit about their story. The first I want to talk about is the wise woman of Abel. She was a woman that we learn that she acted quickly. Evil had came into her city and she stood as an intercessor and she saved her city. We move on. We look at the widow of Zarephath. She was facing starvation. As she is facing this starvation, having nothing Thinking she's dying, she shows hospitality to one of God's prophets. Or the Proverbs 31 woman, so many of us know her, and some of us may be irritated to study her, but I challenge you that one day we will dive into her and we will see that, wow, she is a woman that that we all should be striving to be. And there's so many characteristics from her that we should ask God to help us to receive and to embrace She's a nameless woman that teaches us so many beautiful things about the power of a woman that embraces pure womanhood. Or we have the woman who lived a sinful life, this woman that's a known sinner, a woman that rather than defending herself, admits her sin. And when she does, we witness as Jesus steps in as a defender. Let's look at the woman with the issue of blood. This woman that's desperate for a healing and in order to reach for her healing, she defies conventions of that day to physically reach for Jesus. And when she did, she received her healing. Talk about this woman of Samaria. There were so many cultural barriers when it came to the Samaritan people. And Jesus broke through those cultural barriers to reveal himself to her. And it speaks so powerfully to the cultural barriers that Jesus is still overcoming today in order to reveal himself to all who are willing and receive him. Or we look at the Syrophoenician woman. She's that Gentile woman whose daughter was in desperate need of a healing. She's that woman that Jesus says that, If you're like me, that frustrating thing that says it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the little dogs. And you wonder, what in the crazy world does that mean? But her response to him showing amazing faith, so much faith that it moves Jesus to heal her daughter from spiritual bondage or the widow with the two coins, the woman who was willing to surrender everything she had to God and completely trust him to be her provider. You know, there are way more. That's where I'm stopping today. What I want to take away from this list of nameless people is names are important to us, but there is really only one name that is important, and that name is Jesus. So we can't let the fact that some women don't have names taint our view of God or the position that we have been given. The more I study these women, the more I see God doesn't give us a name for these women on purpose. 
He gives us the message of their life. And I love how looking at them as a whole are this wonderful reminder, this powerful, remarkable reminder. We are not working to build a name for ourselves. We are working to build a name for Jesus. And their life, each of these women's lives, they're a reflection of him, of a piece of him, a characteristic of him. They show us part of him. If we will zero in on them and do the digging and really ask ourselves, God, what are you showing us about these nameless women? You know, when I said that we were going to do this deep dive over the Shunammite woman over the next few episodes, many of you were probably scratching your head wondering, who is this Shunammite woman? Where is she even located in scripture? And we're not going to really get too far into her life today. Before diving in, we need to be sure we lay a bit of a foundation that's important to know before we talk about her specifically. When we do this digging, the depth of her story stretches deeper and the message of her life and how it applies to our own is really magnified. When I approach scripture, I like to dig into the background and looking to see, you know, what what book is it part of? Where is the location that this is taking place? Who is part of this message? Really allowing me to get my wits about myself before we really dig in and try to see, you know, how can I apply this to my life and make it personal? So when we take this Shunammite woman and we approach her that same way, here's what we find. Okay, the Shunammite woman, she is located in the book of Second Kings chapter 4 and also in chapter 8. High level, real quick, what we find in her is her son dies and the prophet of God brings him back to life. If you know about her, chances are you know her when I said that statement. Um, But first, book is she found in? She's found in the book of Kings. Kings is this historical record of the kings that ruled over Israel and Judah. We don't really know who the writer is, but more than likely, it was a historian from the tribe of Judah. When we step into this book, we're no longer in the rule of judges. Israelites, they have rejected God's plan and the part of separation God was calling them into. They've rejected it. They said they wanted to be like the nations that were around them. So again, they rejected God's plan altogether. So so God gave them what they wanted with the first king being Saul. And what we find in the life of Saul is that did not go well and it really ended tragically. So what we see played out in this overarching theme in the book in Second Kings, it, or we see kings, they're struggling to rule. They're often falling into sin and God is raising up prophets. These prophets are being raised up by God. They're challenging the people to return to the plan God had laid out. He's sending a rescuer to them time and time again. And we see this trend of the people continue, you know, they're wavering. They're inconsistent when it comes to following him. And we see, though, we see God's consistent trend of trying to draw his people to that state of repentance, drawing them back into relationship with him, right? So we see our consistency whenever it comes to wavering, and we see God's consistency. Again, he's drawing us back into that place of relationship with him. So we're talking about the Shunammite woman. Who who are Shunammites? Who are the Shunammite people? We hear Shunam and Shunamites, it's mentioned several times in scripture. We find it with Abishag. She's the young woman who was brought to minister to King David when he's on his deathbed. Again, we have the Shunamite woman or we have the Shulamite in the Song of Solomon. 
Solomon loved the Shulamite. A Shulamite and a Shunamite are from the same group of people. So a Shunamite is a female inhabitant of the city of Shunam. Shunam is one of the locations that we learn about in this area of scripture. We also hear about Mount Carmel. There is a distance between these two locations of about 15 to 20 miles, um, which would have taken approximately a day to travel. So we need to keep that in mind as we study her specifically. Then we need to look at who is involved in this piece of scripture. Here we have the Shunammite, we have Elisha, we have Gehazi, and we have the Shunammite's husband. For anyone not familiar or needs a refresher on Elisha, we need to get an idea of who he is in order to, again, really grasp some of what this nameless woman is teaching us. Elisha is a man of God. He's a prophet of Israel. Elijah was his mentor. Elijah is one of the two men in scripture that he never physically died. He's taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha asks him for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elijah says, yes, as long as you see me when I'm taken. So Elisha, he ends up, he sees the chariots from heaven swoop down and they take him up and his request is granted. And we see him doing astonishing things, such as he multiplies the poor widow's cruise of oil. He multiplies 20 loaves of new barley to feed 100 men. He's involved in the curing of Naaman, who was the Syrian leper, And we even see after he's been dead, there's this dead body that is laid in Elisha's grave. The body, the moment that it touches Elisha's bones, the dead man is revived. He stands up on his feet and he goes on his way. Astonishing. Absolutely astonishing things that God uses him to do in his life, uses his life to show. Elisha, when we look at him, and we really start to process what we see in these records, it paints a beautiful picture for us and it points us towards Jesus. You know, there are many parallels between Elisha and Jesus. And there are also parallels that he paints for us between um, Elisha and the disciples. And really the things that Elisha did, they pale so much in comparison to what Jesus did. But again, when you study his life, you can't help but see there are some similarities that are pointing you on to Jesus. So when we see these similarities, the life of the Shunammite woman begins to go from this surface level, momentary, albeit huge miracle, to a radical lifestyle shift that provided a way to lay a foundation for the miracle that happened in her life. Understanding he paints a couple of different pictures for us is important. For the purpose of this study, though, I want us to see him for the parallels that exist between him and Jesus. That wraps up what I wanted to dive into with this first episode. Thank you for hanging out with me and walking through this today. Knowing this information prior to diving into this scripture really allows us to take our study from surface level checkbox mentality to a deep rooted understanding of how her life applies to us. So there you have it. The background information that's going to pave the way for our next episode where we are going to dive straight in. To prep for our next episode, I want you to take what we discussed today. If you need to refer back to this, listen again or check out the show notes. And in the meantime, grab a notebook and begin to dive into 2 Kings chapter 4. But before you dive in and before you start to read, do yourself a favor, pray first. Prayer before Bible reading is absolutely necessary. 
We don't want to try to figure out God's word without asking him to walk through it with us. God is the author of it all. We want him to order our thoughts, to unlock our understanding, and to magnify what he wants us to take away from his word. And remember, when it comes to scripture, repetition unlocks revelation. Don't just read over her one time. Read over her multiple times and meditate on what you read. Too often, scripture meditation is coupled with this mentality that thinks meditation is something weird or awkward or uncomfortable, impossible. I challenge you to see you're already well-versed in the art of meditation. So think for a second. You meditate very easily on your last argument with your spouse. Or what you're going to say to them about the trash not being taken out again the moment they get home tonight. Or you rehearse different conversations in your mind, the ones that you want to have and the ones that you have already had and you wish they would have gone differently. You know countless lyrics to endless songs and you've memorized numerous movie lines that you can readily quote at the most opportune time. All of this requires meditation, which, when you look at it, is defined so simply as focusing our mind on a particular object, a thought, or an activity. When we look at meditation like this, that weird, awkward association is thrown straight out the window, and that barrier is now removed, and we can see that scripture meditation, it is something we can certainly take on. When we do this and we couple it With that repetition that I mentioned, we find God's word is awe-inspiring. You can look at that same piece of scripture time and time again, and different things begin to stand out to you each time. It solidifies for us that the word of God is alive, and it's serving as a well that never, ever, ever runs dry. There's always more for us to learn about God. This is a lifetime relationship in a consistent pursuit of our heavenly king. I cannot wait to dive in next time to learn what he's teaching us in the life of this Shunammite woman. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. I pray you are encouraged by the message you heard today. And I pray that the choice before you the one that leads to Jesus is shining bright in front of you. Until next time, let's be intentional. Let's be focused. Let's be diligent. And let's be the she's that choose Jesus.